He is a Bassmaster Open winner, a Bassmaster Classic qualifier, an Elite Series pro from Manny, Louisiana. Daryl Gleason joins me this week on... I'm Bob Cobb for the Bassmaster. Welcome to Mercer. Well, it must be Wednesday because here I am once again back in your life. Welcome one, welcome all. Friends, family, freeloaders, fishing freaks. You're all welcome here at the Awkwardly Honest Fishing Podcast that goes by my last name, which is Mercer. I hope you're all having a great week. You are halfway through your week. And uh, for many, many people, this is a very, very special Wednesday. Not only is this the 118th Wednesday that we've got together and talked on this show, this is also the Wednesday that, and there's only one of them all year long. It is the Wednesday that ICAST kicked off. That's right. ICAST kicked off this morning. And many of you might be wondering, what in the world is ICAST? Well, I'm going to answer that for you. ICAST is the big fishing industry trade show where um, everybody from the, all the grand poobas, all the big wigs from the fishing industry get together. They release the brand new lures, the brand new line, the brand new rods, reels, tackle boxes, uh, electronics, trolling motors, coolers, sunglasses, anything to do with fishing, it gets released at iCast. And um, for many people, you, you, I mean, it's, it's a trade show, so it's industry only generally. But many of you, the only thing you see from iCast is a bunch of videos from different pros in your feed to start off with. Hi, I'm so-and-so. Welcome to iCast 2023. Let me show you the new latest and greatest this. There's a lot of those videos floating around, and there will be for the next little while. But it's also a cool time of year because if you ask me, that's one of the coolest aspects about the sport of fishing, that it doesn't really change whether you're a five-year-old just getting into the sport or you've been doing it for 50 years. That collector in you, that wanting to fill your tackle box, that wanting to get a bait that nobody else has – it never goes away. I mean, I remember when I first got into fishing. I mean, I, when I first got my first, you know, real tackle box, and I wanted to fill it. I mean, I wanted to fill all the holes. That was my goal in life, to fill all the holes in the tackle box. And and I what I would do is, you know, I'd put one in each hole, and when, when I got the tackle box full, I was like, wow, I've made it. And then, you know, I started putting multiple baits and spots and stuff like that. But you never, ever stop that search for the next latest and greatest bait. And uh, it's a fun week because of that. Because, um, and, and I'll be honest, there's times where I'm like, okay, I've been to ICAST. I've been going to ICAST for, I've been going to ICAST for 25 years, I think, now. Wow, that's a long time. But, but I'll be honest, there's been ICASTs I've been to where I was like, this is, it doesn't get better. I mean, this is his, good a lure as we can make this is as good a reel as we can make this is good a rod line doesn't you, you know what i mean we're tapped out how does it get better but year after year i show up in that building and there is stuff that blows me away so enjoy the creative outlet that icast is it is it is very cool and um very frustrating for some people because to be honest like i said it's kind of a trade only show i did hear a rumor that they were opening it to public on Friday, but that was a rumor, so I don't know if that is true or not. But basically, it's a, it's a trade-only. It's where 
your local fishing shop goes to buy the baits to find out about the baits but it's become so public with the media end of things sometimes people get frustrated because a brand new bait comes out and they want it but they can't get it till that fall so just relax baits are coming uh, i don't check them out and fish them first here's the other thing I love how every iCast I'll see, and it, it's not just the companies I work with. It's all companies. But you see a new bait released, and through the comments, you will hear just a ton of people be like, a oh, fish will never eat that. This won't work. That won't. Let the fish judge. Because some of the things that literally, I remember, I swear to you, this is the truth. I remember being at an iCast when the very first chatterbait was being run through a tiny kid's swimming pool. And there was a lot of people who said, yeah, that's uh, too aggressive, too much thump, that'll never work. And now, it, it every single company makes one of those. So let the fish judge the baits, because um, that, that's ultimately what matters. I mean, <laughs> there's been baits that I've been like, they're going to smoke this, and if they don't, I don't like it. But if they do, I do like it. And when you think about it, that's actually the first 15 minutes you use a bait. Oh, it's real important. When you think about it, you buy that new bait, and you want that bait to work, right? I mean, you go out, and you are tied on the night before. You're ready to go. You fire that bait out. You're expecting to get bit on the first cast. If the fish are on fire the first 15 minutes you fish that bait and you catch multiple fish, you fall in love with that bait forever. But if the fishing just happens to suck those 15 minutes, that bait goes in a different section of the tackle box. Um, so what I'm saying is let the fish judge. And maybe give them more than 15 minutes. This week's show, now, now a lot of... A lot of podcasts have gone to sleep this week because of iCast. We couldn't let you down. We had to have a show, and we've got a good one. And this is one I've wanted to do for a while because Daryl Gleason, our guest this week, is truly one of the good guys in the industry. He is um, – He just, and even before he was on the Elite Series, he was just the kind of good, caring person. Um, has a lot of people cheering for him. When he made the Elite Series, there were so many people excited to see him there when he fished his first classic. So many people excited to see that. He's just a good, good person. And a lot of times in the podcast world, we get stuck only kind of talking to who won the last tournament. Now, Daryl Gleason is having a great season on the Elite Series. He's in contention right now to qualify for the Bassmaster Classic. This is his best season on the Elite Series to date, um, which is three events left to go. But it hasn't always been that way for Daryl. And one of the cool things about this podcast is he agreed to be really open and really honest about struggles he's faced and situations he's been in and situations he's overcome because to him, it's just all part of the learning process. And um, I think you're going to enjoy this one. I know I did. So without further ado, he's normally from Manny, Louisiana, but right now he is styling and profiling, rolling around in the motorhome somewhere in, in New York, I believe. Let's join Daryl Gleason. Daryl Gleason, I appreciate you taking some time off the water to join me in, uh, in the camper, and it looks like a well-appointed camper indeed. Yeah, man, this is like our little home on wheels. I feel like we spend more time here uh, the last few years and we do in our actual home, but, uh, 
yeah, mama's done a bunch of remodeling here to make it look even prettier. But yeah, dude, up at Champlain, um, got on the water yesterday, caught a few smallmouth and and uh, got soaking wet trying to get off because I stayed a little too late. And it's a little gentle rain here today as well. How important is that camper lifestyle to you? Like, I think there's some people who just do it, but it feels like and totally throwing a shot in the dark here, but it feels like it's a big part of your existence. You know what I mean? Like you wouldn't be the same person in a hotel. Am I reading that right? Uh, you're hundred percent reading it right. So um, this, the camper thing started in 2020 during COVID. Um, I was doing the FLW tour yeah. and they, you know, they like world paused for two months and we're sitting at home trying to figure out how we're going to travel safely. My, my wife, uh, if you don't know, was, was born with a lung disease called cystic fibrosis. So COVID was like one of those like very scary things, probably yeah. more so for me than her. You know, it's very scary. So we're trying to look at how we could safely travel. And so that's really how it it happened. Now, secretly, as a child, I loved camping. Like I go camping every year, like during deer season, things like that. Much rougher than this, usually tents or whatever. But so I kind of always like wanted to try doing that fishing. And so it kind of forced our hand into doing it. And like literally a week before we left to go to Chickamauga, we went and bought a camper. Neither of us ever drove one, pulled one, stayed in one. <laughs> and, uh, you know, like most things in life, you roll with it and figure it out. But, dude, it's been awesome because it's like it's it's not like you're gone. Last year, we were gone 10 months on the road. Yeah. And that's a long time to be gone, dude. But, you know, I have I have my wife here. I have my dog here. So it's I don't know. It's at, at, I'm 41 years old, man. I don't want to be sleeping in hotels and and doing that toting clothes back and forth that whole renting vrbos never knowing what parking's gonna be like or you know i don't know it's fun yeah i do i do enjoy it like i love uh i love the lifestyle we have some downtime you know like it's it's easy to like chill for a few days but even like simple stuff like when i get off the water i don't go run down a meal like we can have a home-cooked meal we can throw something yeah. on the grill i don't know there's just something to that it makes it feel a little bit more normal than what this lifestyle can be because this lifestyle is anything but normal see you i i didn't think you had only been doing it in a few years for whatever reason i just and I, again i'm just yeah. assuming but for whatever reason i just assume there's a guy who's camped for years how hard was it you know i always toy around with like throwing my family in the family truckster and doing some big yeah. trip but i'm always like i don't know how to pump out the crapper or any of the stuff yeah. that comes along with I mean, you must have had some train wrecks along the way. Now, if you literally just jumped into it at a last second decision like that. Yeah. Yeah. We've had a few instances. And like what's crazy with this is um, I am not mechanically inclined. Like I can't I can barely no. like change a tire. Right. Like I wasn't gifted with that in life. So, you, yeah, there's been a few challenges here and there. Like the, the worst one dude, is we had. So when, we, when you buy a camper, a lot of times they don't come with the greatest tires. Okay. Like think about like you don't think about that. I just spent a lot of money on a camper. Yeah. And I tow it everywhere. You think it'd come with really great tires. So our biggest, craziest thing was headed to uh Pickwick, our first year on the elites. And we had a blowout between Little Rock, Arkansas, and Memphis, which is like not a great place to have a blowout. Really nowhere to get on the side of the road. And uh, my wife actually pulls the camper and I pull my boat. And so when this happens, she calls, Oh guys, had a blowout, I'm pulling over. Well, like by the time I get stopped, I'm a mile ahead of her. So I had to back up my truck and boat down the shoulder of, uh, I believe it's I-40. Dude, like 
it took me like 25, 30 minutes to back up that mile. It was like the scariest thing on earth with all those like 18 wheelers, like so yeah. close. And we literally had to sit on the side of the road two, three hours because it's there's there's no ditch to pull off in. There's nowhere to get. And uh, when the blowout occurred, it grabbed all the wiring for like the living room and kitchen and wrapped around the axle. So all you see is like a pile of wires everywhere. So it's, you know, me, her and the dog sit in the shade for a while trying to contemplate. Every time I'd get up there and try to work on it, like a few trucks would come by so close that she was like, nope, nope, nope. And so honestly, it, like we ended up calling, we had called a couple tow trucks and uh, they were coming, but they never showed up. Yeah. And so like, we ended up like, let's call, let's call state state police, see what we should do. And a awesome trooper came and like kind of got behind us a little bit, cut his lights on, got people out of the way and helped us manage the situation. He even knew a great tow truck company to call. And, um, but what was wild, dude, is like, because all those wires, like, they were trashed. Like, so we limped down the road that night and uh, we slept with no, no power, no water that night. None of that stuff, you know, um, luckily we stayed at a campground, had like a little bathhouse. So yeah. like you roll through this stuff, right? It's like being in college again. You go to the bathhouse, you leave your slippers on, right? Leave the flip-flops on in the shower. But we're like, we roll through the night and like that evening, we, uh, we spent some time looking for somewhere to repair it. We found this awesome place at Pickwick. Uh, next day we kind of limped to Pickwick, took them four or five hours. I literally worked on tackle in my boat while they're over there rewiring a whole entire camper and like just roll on. Like since then, there's been a few little things here and there, dude, but most of our life has been like uh, just a giant whirlwind and you just kind of roll with stuff. But, but yeah, like anybody could do this. I, I guess I'd say that my wife uh, prior to us doing this, she had never even, she couldn't even back up my truck and boat. And now she's driving a 40 foot camper down the road. So. Wow. Adaptability, right? If you're going to be a pro fisherman and, uh, and be married to a redhead, you got to be very adaptable in life. <laughs> Most of what we pick up on. And now look, honestly, now if something breaks, it's serious. Uh, usually, uh, you know, Gerald and his wife are nearby and, uh, Gerald can fix anything. He actually loves it. He comes over sometimes and opens a door at creeks. He goes and gets a screwdriver and comes back and fixes stuff. So uh, there's a lot of handy folks around you. You know what I mean? So just kind of let them do their thing. I feel you there, dude. Like on the not being handy, I am not at all. And and it's, I mean, it's something that I avoid most of my life. Um, but but when you get in that situation, you're like, I'm such an idiot. Why don't I know how to do this? Um, but guys like Swindle, really, really, I mean, he, dude, he, he is a jack of all trades, really. Like, I mean, started. Uh, my wife started calling him the janitor because he'll like he can like literally fix anything, like anything, and they make it look easy. So, like guys like us feel like like not a man because they're over there like doing it all so easy. And I'm like, uh, you know, well, I can cook real well. What What about that, bud? Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, is what it is. I always figure if the world ends, we're screwed, or at least I am. I mean, what can I do? I will announce something for you. It really it, yeah. it becomes walking dead days. I mean, um, nobody's going to be looking for the loud guy that can announce things. I'm actually probably a detriment to most tribes surviving. I think they would probably like you'd be one they'd pick high on the list, though, because you're less likely to survive. So like they would like pick you like, hey, man, let's save you just so you can. <laughs> sit on your little island and do nothing. Yeah, I'd be in the same boat, though. Like, we done, uh, you know, Bass uh, did the the zombie apocalypse little question thing, like, uh -huh. for social media. And Gerald's one of the guys I picked. I'm like, he's really funny, oh. and he's resourceful, and he can hunt. 
he'd be perfect. You're uh, surrounded by a lot of them, Gerald, Paul, and like, dude, all the survivors are literally oh. live on your street when you're camping. I mean, think about think about Carl. Oh. Throw that dude on the island, and I mean, he'll run circles around it before lunchtime the first day there, <laughs> and uh, and can survive on anything. So, yeah, dude, like our little, and and there's a bunch more like families that can't. We have like our little uh, trailerhood group that goes around the country, and we don't always end up at the same spots, but often we do. And uh, man, the biggest thing for me too, like with all the comfortability of the whole thing, is also like. It's just different when you know your wife's like at a campground with like-minded folks all day and she can go walk the dog and walk and cook and there's people around versus her crammed in a hotel, you know, or yeah, some random neighborhood. Like, I don't know. It's just all around. It's just what we enjoy doing. It's not the, it, it's not like a money saver. We're not doing it because it's cheaper or any of that. It just gives you that, that down home, you know, kind of feel. But if anything breaks, we uh, generally are calling like a mobile re repair service. Those are everywhere, by the way. And uh, and some dude comes to the rescue. I just got to write a little check. No big deal. Yeah, and I think it's just a lifestyle thing. Like you said, like being cramped in a room. I mean, you're literally, you're coming back to the bed you're used to sleeping in. Your shirts yeah. are hanging where you're normally right. hanging. You know, it's... Yeah. And I think once you do that, I would assume once you are a camper, like to go back, to go to become a camper, uh, to, to go back, yeah. the adjustment would be like, how much stuff would you have to bring now? Like you'd perpetually be forgetting stuff, I would imagine. A hundred percent. And that's the other thing too, like this transition into being like some of my, like I carry some of my tackle in the camper, some extra rods, things like that. So uh, last year, you know, we done the elites and all the opens. So it was a big time travel deal. And uh, I think it was after Chickamauga Elite, we had a truck issue. So on, on her truck, not mine. And uh, so she had to stay behind and I went to the James river open by myself and uh, which I didn't like um, and ended up having to rent a little yurt. You ever stayed in a yurt? Well, like a circular, like a yurt is a round building, right? This one was like a little triangle kind of building, okay. but basically it's like a wooden tent with a, it had a bed, an AC unit and a small fridge and that's it. And uh, even like, like there wasn't even a blind on the door. So like I like took duct tape and duct tape a towel. So so like creepers in the campground couldn't just watch me sleep at night. Um again, public shower house. So go with the flip-flops. But um, dude, even that ended up being kind of fun because there's uh I was the particular campground I was in, a bunch of the uh the dudes in the opens who I've done the opens for years, so I got a lot of good friends, but like a bunch of those guys there were their truck campers. Like every evening, we would just congregate around someone's grill and do like like just a few bags of chips and like hot dogs and hamburgers or like chicken wings or whatever. So that was kind of a throwback to the days. It reminded me how great I have it now in the camper because yeah, doing your own laundry, toting clothes back and forth, all your tackle unloading and all that stuff back at like. I don't I don't miss that lot. I don't want to go back to that, to be honest. I, I only want to do it this way and no other way like at all. <laughs> How much does it cost to rent a yurt? It was actually pretty affordable. I forgot. <laughs> I would imagine so. 25 bucks a night or something. It was actually pretty comfortable, though, man. It wasn't that bad, dude. Uh, trust me, I've stayed in much, much, much worse. Like, coming through the opens, uh, very early on, I decided to do the tent camping thing. And it was, like, first week of April at Table Rock. And I literally bought a, I brought a sleeping bag, an extension cord, and my phone charger. Like. That's it. Wow. And um, 
the first night it got down to like 35 degrees <laughs> and uh let's I, like i woke up at like 11 and like put some jeans on over my shorts and like put a long sleeve shirt on and i woke up at one and literally put on my gore-tex that i was wearing to fish in wow. and like by the morning it was like that movie i see you know i see dead people you could see my voice like see my breath like i was like yeah but you know like lesson learned right if you're going to do that you might want to bring a heater or something so i kind of did it all coming up through the opens but uh you know i had a good buddy i roomed with a lot and we did hotels and rentals and all that and that's that's fine but like i don't know look i mean i've really cut it on but i got a big tv and like big stove like this is just the way to go it's definitely definitely i mean i think you're selling people you. just looking at your setup there <laughs> it doesn't suck especially like Today is raining and all that. So I kind of sleep in, watch TV in bed, do breakfast. I mean, yeah, yeah, no, it sounds much better. Um, when did this whole dream start for you, dude? Like, when, like, were you a little kid when you said, man, one day I want to fish for a living? Or like, what age were you when you said, hey, man, this is an obsession, an itch that I have to scratch? So, like, the tournament part of it started much later in life for me. Um, Actually, when I was dating my wife in, in college, her dad was getting into fishing a little bit. And so that was like my first experience. Like we went and fished a few big bass tournaments and some team tournaments and things like that. And then when I got out of uh, out of college, I joined a bass club. But prior to that, like my love of fishing, dude, was like my dad and family, like we would do like little creeks and ponds. My grandmother had a pond and I'd ride my bike down there. So like my obsession with fishing started, you know, as, as just a little kid, like. And most of that too is just watching a cork, you know, waiting yeah. for my to go under. And uh, I do remember at like maybe seven or eight reeling in like a little bluegill and a bass ate it. And I reeled him in and like my little, I had a Zepco 33, you know, just stripping out. And I, uh, I remember running up the bank. I like literally was like, you know, and the joke my dad said was, is by the time I got him in, I ran like 200 yards up the bank. He said that bass had ticks on it for me dragging it through the grass. <laughs> um, and just something about that, that unknowingness, that's something bass fishing has that other species don't to me as far as freshwater, is that unknowingness each cast, what's going to, what that tick is going to mean, what that thump is going to mean. And it just like captured me, dude. And like, I remember my early teenage years, riding my bike in the summer, like I'd get up and ride three, I'd get up at daylight yeah. as a, 12 year old who does that and like ride three miles and like go fish this pond all day and I remember my dad having to pick me up at dark a lot of times because I'd be like pushing my bike home my little stringer of fish and my tackle box and my two poles and he'd come pick me up my mom was worried to death about me being gone so long so my love of fishing started young but but dude I became obsessed with it when I got out of college so I just missed out on like all the college fishing that was just yeah. kind of starting I graduated college in 04 2004 okay I just kind of missed all that stuff, but like I got out and joined the bass club, fished on Toledo Bend and spent all my time at Toledo Bend that I could. We lived around an hour away and uh, I don't know. It's like it filled some competitive void for me. Like I played basketball in school and uh, enjoyed playing golf and things like that, but fishing just, it just filled that void for me, dude. And it became an obsession. And like where I live, being an hour from Toledo Bend, an hour and a half from, from Sam Rayburn, it's like the Mecca down there. Yeah. So it just, so I'm a little old school in the manner of like I did club tournaments and team tournaments. And then 
kind of graduated, did BFLs and Toyota series and did the opens a long time. And I don't know, it just, it, it was one of the things, you know, like you'll see, like I have buddies, they'll get obsessed over something, whether it's deer hunting, duck hunting, golf. And like for two years, that's all they do. Yeah. And that's how fishing was just, but it, it wouldn't go away. Like it's just all I ever wanted to do. And I mean, dude, to, to get where we're, what we're doing now, I mean, it was a dream. Don't, don't get me wrong, but I mean, I have thousands of buddies who dream about it. Like I still like, I can't believe it's my reality now. It's not a dream. Anymore. It's happening, you know? So um, I don't know. And it all happened. It feels quick, but it wasn't dude. Like, I fished the opens for 10 years for a qualifier. Yeah. So that, that's not the definition of quick in this world, but um, I don't know. I, it's just something I love. It's hard to explain. I think a lot of the guys we struggle explain why we feel this way about it because you have to give so much to get to where we're at. Yeah. That not always equally give back. You know what I'm saying? But it's but not it, almost it even rational when you lay it out. Like if you try to explain your dream and why you have to, like, it's almost, Oh, it's not, it's not reality. Like when we meet people in the campgrounds or, or somewhere that know nothing about what we're doing, they yeah. just see like a boat with a bunch of stickers and you start explaining it. You can see in their face, like it's the dumbest thing I ever heard of, you know, like <laughs> what are you doing with your life? And, and there's been times where I'm like, you know, I could spend this much time and effort on a lot of things that would probably pay me a lot more money than this does. But Dude, I don't know. There's some things in life you can't, you just can't put a, a value on. And for whatever reason, this fills my soul. So I'm going to do it as long as I can. Well, and you started kind of the, from what I know, the responsible way. I mean, you went and became a school teacher, correct? Were you a school teacher yeah. at one point in your life? Yeah. Like, so, yeah. which amazes me that me and you get as long as well as we yeah. do, because I have a, tumultuous past with school teachers me and I do them. too yeah yeah I was a bad boy but uh for some reason I when I got out of college so even that route like it just kind of worked out me and my wife got married like right out of school like we're running down the aisle dude we're so excited to get married and um and for the area we grew up in there was not tons of opportunities to like go start this big time career we grew up very rural like small town um, and school teaching for me was like a way to have like very good, stable insurance and benefits and yeah. things with my wife's health issues. That was money in the bank, dude, is huge because it was very expensive and still is very expensive uh, for her things, her drugs and things and doctor visits and all that. So that's how it started. And, and it was weird. Like I was somewhere, I think I was the fun teacher. If that makes sense. Like I think because I was young, I was like 23, 24 when I was teaching school. But I was still like, it's like a kind of a hard ass, which was surprising because I was like the one talking in the back of the room when I was growing up. So, um, yeah, I, it, and that's what I say, like old school. It seems like now kids go like high school fishing and go straight to the opens or they do college yeah. and the opens. For me, it's I don't know. I just never felt like I wanted to. And, and I had some buddies that were doing it that I you know, being around Toledo man, Sam Rayburn, there's always people graduating up and traveling off and, and, you know, trying, trying their hand at the pro tour and just seeing some of the struggles. Some of those guys have a credit card debt and uh, just the financial burden. I don't know. I just never wanted to be a guy that was setting myself back so far. So I, I did, I, I did the school teaching thing, seven, eight years. I actually took sabbatical after my seventh year, which is where like you get like a little bit of pay, you take a year off, 
and you work on your higher education. So I went and got my master's degree. And when I was working on my master's, which I completed, um, that's when I started my guide business kind of part-time. Okay. And, uh, and I decided fishing's more fun than teaching. And I never, I actually did finish my master's, but I never went back. I like never, you're done. Done. Like I resigned the next year. Thank y'all so much. But, I, you know, that was crucial for me because I had like a, a career I could go back on. Does that make yeah. sense? You don't ever get rich teaching and all that stuff. I, you know, like teachers don't get paid what they're worth. Um, and they got to deal with kids like us. Um, it's not fair. Um, but yeah, it's just one of those things like, why not, why not take a chance and do something I love, dude? And I, I, I loved guiding on Toledo Bend, dude. Loved it. How scary was that decision though? Like to, to, to step away, especially like you've mentioned several times, the need for insurance, you know, with yeah, your yeah, wife's yeah. health situation, everything like how scary was but, the, whew, we're, we're doing this. Yeah. Um, it, it was, and it wasn't. So, you know, at this point I'm around 30 years old. Um, I, I could have got a teaching job anywhere and I coached a little too. So like I could have went back and got a yeah. job at that point, you know? Um, so it is a little frightening, but, um, there's something I think most of the pros have it. I don't know that all of them realize they have it, but we have an unending like well of faith. Yeah. Not necessarily like it's not religious for everybody, but we got it to know that tomorrow's going to be okay. I just felt like if I poured my soul into it, it'd work out. And I know if I didn't, I could find something else to do. Like I knew it'd be okay, but um, there are definitely some challenges in life adjustments, dude. Like um, at the time we lived an hour from the lake. So there was a lot of, back and forth to the lake those first couple of years man like and i still fished a few tournaments as well but i mean it was like 300 days on the water kind of stuff and it was uh, my golf game really suffered i didn't play golf for like six years dude but like i don't know it just felt like one of those things if i really wanted to to see where this thing could go i had to go all in on it and it started even at the guide level like i said no i didn't say no to any trip it didn't matter you know, if I plan to have a day off and do something, my wife, or we're going to go, if I was just going to rest, whatever, and someone call at 10 o'clock at night, I'm like, all right, let's go tomorrow. You know? So I think a lot of the, a lot of the dudes, especially the guide route, it's kind of a hard not deal. Like you don't say no when you're building it. So it was, it, it was, it was scary though. Cause you don't know where stuff like that's going to go. Like I was like waiting by the phone, see if I get phone calls, you know, but yeah, but you know, like I had fished, around Toledo Bend all that time and done team tournaments. And, um, you know, one of the things Toledo Bend's famous for is we have like our own lunker program. So like yeah. Texas, their share lunker thing, Toledo Bend, the local lake association does a deal. If you catch a 10 pounder, you get a free replica. And, um, I'd cost some 10 pounders and things and got a little press and, you know, did well in a couple tournaments here and there. And so I had like, locally, I had like a little bit of a, it wasn't like I was nobody. If you Googled, you might see me with a fish picture, right? Yeah. And uh, the, the biggest thing for me, though, dude, is like, uh, that was like, that was my heyday of Toledo Bend. The grass was good. The fishing was good. And so I got a few opportunities with people and then like, it went well. And that my first year guiding in four months, I caught three of those tens and, and got like a little pub. And that was like a big kickstart for me, dude. Like, and I've never done that again. And I never done it before catching that many 10 pounders. So like that's when everyone, it didn't seem like 10 pounders were raining down all across the country. So 
some of that stuff gave me a big boost and gave me the opportunity I needed to get people on the boat. And, uh, and the rest took care of itself, man. Like, I don't know. I just, those relationships I built with guiding dude from like friends and business. Yeah. Like yeah. my t- title sponsor, come on a guide trip with me. Um, I don't know if you remember this. I fished Bass Fest in 2015. Yeah, I remember. I I wasn't going to do that tournament. Like, I got the invitation to do it, and uh, and it was a lot of entry fee money, you know? Like, and um, a week before the deadline, a a guy that I went on a a fishing trip with and a guy that owned one of the marinas on Toledo Bend at the time, they didn't know each other, and each one of them, split it they didn't know the other was doing it but each one of them's like here's a check bro you need to go chase your dream like each of them like don't pay us back don't do anything for us we just you're not gonna not go try it and that's how i ended up fishing i would have never paid it was six thousand bucks man yeah and so i did everything in my head by guide trips that's a lot of guide trips to make that back and uh but just stuff like that though those relationships you know, like I'm still friends with, with both of them today. Like they, I've said it to them independently. Like you can't say it enough. Like, like, wow. Like, dude, if they didn't do that for me, cause that was a turning point. My whole tournament career, go into that event, competing against those guys. And, you know, I'd had a few little tastes here and there of what this world is like, but dude, you know, that's the one like Van Damme finished second. Yeah. Like, I borrowed some baits from Van Damme in the parking lot. Like he dug everything out of his truck to give me some baits. And like, I met Randall Tharp that week. Yeah. Uh, I a fishing hole with Aaron Martins. Like I had to share a school with Aaron Martin. So like, I don't know. That was like, that opportunity that week was like a wow week. And it wouldn't have happened without just two random dudes I never would have met, you know, if it wasn't for guiding like I was. So to, for me, that built everything for me. Like, you know, and now most of my friendships and relationships are, with people I met through that. So, yeah, you know, I know it's a different route than it seems like a lot of people take now, but. No, but I think there's a lot of some, look at Lee Livesey. If I, yeah. The whole Lee time you're telling this story, I'm, I keep thinking of him yeah. because I'm just like, I've been lucky enough to be around him a few times when a bunch, you, you know what I mean? After a victory or whatever, yeah. and a bunch of his friends and like the stories all start. Well, how do you yeah. know Lee? Well, we went out with him 10 years ago on fork yeah. and he caught my dad, his personal, but, but I think as fishermen, we also forget that connection, like to go out in a boat, like to golf with somebody for a few hours is one thing, but to go in a boat yeah. with somebody you're out there with them for 10 hours. You, you know what I mean? Like the things yeah. you talk about, uh, the the way people open up in a boat. I, I it think all comes out. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. I mean, I, it would probably, we'd be a little less rowdy. Then Lee's group, then Lee's group, <laughs> like we get a little rowdy, but but um, I mean like not not that kind of rowdy, but we'll we'll get a little rowdy occasion too. But I I couldn't imagine um, well when I won the open at Toledo Bend, like yeah. that kind of came out of nowhere. So it wasn't like I had a big group there or anything. But like I come off stage and there's like 20 people around, you know, and we're hugging, high five, and crying all that. And I'm like, everybody, my house, let's go and. We got, we got a little rowdy. Um, no one went to jail. Like I'm sure most of, uh, Whoa. I mean, Lee's I was, I was associating you and Lee in a nice way. Like you guys are both guides. You both. Oh, we are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I love Lee and Lee would probably agree with what I'm saying. His crowd's a little <laughs> rowdier than mine. Um, that's why I actually, um, I gave Caleb Summerall up for adoption to Lee 
because he he was a little rowdier than I was ready to deal with. You know, I I, I like pretty much raised Caleb. Um, and uh, I was kind of like, you can go with Lee now and I'm going to, I'm going to go tr travel with my wife where it's safer. But um, I think Lee wants to give him away to Matt Robertson now. <laughs> whoever will take him. You know what I mean? <laughs> He's a handful, dude. Yeah. Um, we have some good, we have some good summer all uh, stories, but um, no, I mean, it, it's just something too. like you build that relationship with those people. And then you go on in your career and you end up like, those are the people that are sending me the text after events. Great job. Or, or even before events, good luck this week. And I don't know. It's just, it's try to see it through their eyes. They saw what I was seven, eight years ago when I was just dreaming about, Yeah, it. you know, I was just had a dream. So it, it's, it's been fun. I wouldn't change. My path is a little different maybe than, than some, but I think all of our paths are, are a little different how we end up out here, you know? Yeah, I, I that's a, to me that's the cool thing about it, the elite series. The coolest thing about the elite series, if you ask me, like really that nobody picks apart is they're all just different stories with the same addiction or same like yeah. something in all of our lives. Everybody, even the MC included, you know yeah. what I mean? Like something in my life made me want to have to be part of this, you know, and it it. And I just think like, it's amazing how all the stories are different. Like you look at Caleb, who you just brought up, you know what I mean? Like his was just such a weird story in the way that like finding success in fishing also at the same time that he lost his job, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it was like one door open where another one, yeah. where he never would have like two years before he never would have thought I'm going to be making that decision and probably wouldn't have made that decision if it wow. wasn't for something that's going wrong. Uh, we became pretty good friends right before all that happened. Cause I remember shooting him a text while he was um, at that Bass Nation event. And I believe it was Hartwell. And uh, the last day I was like, dude, you're going to, I like, I literally had a dream that night. Like you're going to win today. I feel it somehow. And it, we were real close at that point too. And um, yeah, it's cool to see how things work out. But like you're saying, the, everyone's got a different story, but it seems like we end up in the same fairy tale. And And most of us are like, how did this happen? I feel like, I fell asleep yesterday, I had a dream and, you know, now I'm in New York scouting for an event, you know, like it's just, it's weird. That's how life happens. You just have to kind of be willing to let go of the steering wheel a little bit and like, let it go where it may. And anyone has followed my career, like, you know, it's not, it's not without its bumps or, you know, hard times. It ain't like it's been all just gravy or anything, but uh, I don't know. I wouldn't change any of it though, dude. Like there's not a second of my life. I would, I think I would change, you know? Uh, I think that means you're living a good life, to be honest. You know what I mean? Like, literally, to look back and know that all of these things, good, bad, all happened to get you where you are, means you're yeah. happy being where you are. 100%. One, one thing that stands out about you and your family is that, your family. Like, I feel like there's a lot of people chasing dreams in the Elite Series. And there's a lot of families chasing dreams, but I feel like your family, you, your wife, your puppy, I mean, yeah. that, that is a team. Like, it's just, you're, I mean, I, I forget where this line came from and I've considered myself very lucky to be, be one of those people, but I saw a line once that was like, find somebody who loves you more than you love yourself or is willing to fight harder for you than you're willing to fight for yourself. Yeah. I feel like you found that somebody. You know what I mean? I feel like your partner, yeah. it's a, it is, a, 
Is that what it feels like to you? Like, explain that to me. Hundred percent. Like, if I decided tomorrow I wanted to be an astronaut, she'd be she'd be researching what I need to do, like you know how to do. Like, um, and I was lucky. I found her. We actually went to high school together and all that. So, like, we've known each other since we were like kids, like fifteen years old. I met her. You know. Um, did you start yeah. dating at like fifteen, or did you not date till later? You know, that's weird. That's we dated a little in high school. Let's can we leave it at that and just go on? Oh, oh, you don't want to tell anymore? Okay, that's fine. No, so so we <laughs> dated. Um, so I tried to date her, uh -huh. and, and she did. She friend zoned me for a year. Over the summer, I grew into like this sex machine goddess of some sort that she fell in love with, and then she was willing to date me. Oh, so I think my, my junior year we dated, and after about two weeks, I. Um, you know, like when you're dating in school, you always got to have a reason you're going to break up with a girl, right? Like there's got to be a reason. And uh, I, I broke up with her after two weeks and said, you are um, your marriage material, not dating material. And she, so she always, wow. and, but then I, you know, then I married her, but she always, she likes to skip that first part where she like friends on me. I, I mean, I remember I wrote her a little letter. Hey, would you like to date me? I really like you. And she responded, um, you're more of like a brother, like a friend to me. And so, like, she always skipped that part. So that's why fishing's so easy, dude. I'm one of the guys that like got out of the friend box and somehow got her to date me. And we dated for a little, like, those two weeks and broke up, but stayed like best friends and secretly loved each other all through high school. And uh, I went to college for one semester, and uh, and I went an hour away. Which again, we grew up in small town. Me moving away an hour was like you know seven states away in our little small minds, but. She figured I had to get me, dude. She uh, she quit talking to me. Like, because I got a little, not rambunctious, but for me, a little rambunctious. I was, you know, doing what kids in college do when they're freshmen. You know, I was living it up, man, being wild. And uh, she didn't talk to me for three months. And kind of, that kind of gave me my time to go act like a fool. Again, a semi-fool. I wasn't that bad, okay? I was not that bad of a kid. But, um, I don't know, dude. I just looked at that after a couple months, you know, like one of those times where you're alone. I'm like, this ain't really what I want to be doing in my life. It's this ain't that much as much fun as it seems, you know. And uh, I, I come home and we started dating like I bumped into her at a, at a basketball game um, and we started dating that night. And that was the end of it. They dated all through college. And like I said, we ran down the aisle to get married. And it's been both ways, like um, early on out of college her health issues were deteriorating and pretty rough and like having that normal nine to five job, dude, it wasn't going to be in the cards. It just yeah. wasn't like, um, you know, like her first job, she ran out of sick leave, like six months into it, you know, it's just, it just wasn't going to work out. So I talked her into doing, she'd been doing a, uh, uh she actually done in, in college part-time selling Mary Kay cosmetics and beautifying the women of America is what I like to say she was doing. Yeah. Um, so she was doing that kind of part-time and I'm like, why don't you just try to do that full-time? Let's see how it goes. And that was like one of those changing points in our life. She started doing it full-time and, and does very well with it. But more importantly, she was able to, if she needed half a day off or she needed to like a few days in the hospital to kind of get over something, like she was able to do that. So like career-wise, that was, that was huge for for her, 
mentally for me, it was huge because all, all I want in life, dude, is more time with her. Like, I don't need anything else. I just want us to grow all together. That's my biggest dream, right? So uh, that was one of those times where, like, I was like, hey, it'll work out. Go do it. And and she done it. And she kills it, dude. She'd kill it at anything. Um, then when I decided, like, hey, let's get a camper and go on the road and fish professionally, you know, like, okay, let's go. You want to quit your job and guide? Let's go. You want to quit your guide business and go on the road? Let's go. But kind of like you said too, dude, like those of us that have that in life, we look around and we see people going like through divorces and others. I'm like, I feel bad, like seriously bad for them. They ain't found their person because when you find your person, that stuff isn't even an option. Like, yeah, might bury me somewhere or like beat the hell out of me or something behind closed doors, but she ain't going nowhere. Like we're together and everything we do. So yeah. So like, that drives me even more to do well at, that, yeah. at what I do. Cause it's not just for me. Like I truly just can't imagine like flashing back to me, holding that trophy at Toledo Bend when I won the open, like more so for her. Cause like, she don't gripe when I suck. I finished 150th at an open. She didn't like tell me I wasn't a man and she didn't love me. Like she loved me through all that. So succeeding for her is as much as it is for me, if that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And it makes sense to me even more. Cause I, 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 dude, I know how bad you want it. I watch how bad you want it. You know, you can see it yeah. in your eyes. Yeah. Well, I can see it in her eyes when you idle away from the dock, you know what I mean? But the difference is all that she can do is want right. it for you. You know what I mean? And, and support you in so many other ways that I know right. she does, but yeah, but she can't physically make it happen for you. She just wills it for you. And it, it it's almost a, a worse position to be. It's a harder position to be in. Like I always feel way worse for the family. It's yeah. like when, when an angler, when you have your day, when you're in, you know, contention to win the league going in the final day, you're going to be focused on catching the next fish. Yeah. She's going to be peered over a computer. Yeah. Brain, refresh. Yeah. Everybody that she's <laughs> having. Yeah. I mean, it's just a, it's just a, but it's, it's true. If you're, I mean, the most important decision you can make in your life is the person you're going to spend the rest of your life with because it can 100%. literally make or break your life. Um, and, 100%. Uh, and like I do see, I see some of the young guys now on tour, like some of them are getting married young and starting families and stuff. And you, I kind of can see, with a few of them, I see like they found their person. They're going to be fine, dude. Yeah. Like the fishing, the fishing gets easy when you got your person or whatever else you do in life as a career is easy when you got your person. But yeah, like um, I would love to know the over, over, under how many times she clicks refresh on Bass Track in a day. Like, <laughs> you know, it's she's all in, dude. But but again, for me, it's like I'm one of the guys that always has my Bass Track pretty close because like because of her. Hell yeah. Like she's in this too. Like now, now we'll tell you um, my first year on tour at Pickwick. So like as a fisherman, my bugaboo, like what I hate, high, dirty water, just not my thing. And if you remember Pickwick, like we had to cancel the first two days or like the first two days. And so you talk about high muddy water. So I go out day one and flail around and, uh, and don't catch a, a bass. Like I had one keeper bite, I lose it, end up with a fat zero. 
and the way the uh, park sets up there, like, you know, we check in, once you check in, hey, I'm here. First thing I always do is call my wife, how's it look on Bass Track? So I, I call her that day and she's like, is, did your did Marshall didn't have service? Is Bass Track wrong? And I'm like, nope, I zeroed. And I could see her standing on one of the docks right there near the stage. And everyone's hugging her families and toting their big giant bags of fish up there and all that. And, and I'm like, hey, go get the truck and, and go to that ramp at the back. <laughs> it's like I literally idle by with my head down, you know. So that's one of the days where she was hoping Bass Track was wrong, but it was right. And we loaded up and tucked her tails and went back to the camper. But um, no, what's cool too, like for a lot of our events, um, her mother and her aunt will, will show up. So a lot of times we got a little posse and they'll sit in the camper or whatever VRBO they're at. They literally, I think literally most of the day, they they pray. They literally pray like, please let him not suck today. Please let him be safe. Like, you know, so that part's fun. But again, on my end, when I'm out there sucking, I'm focused on what I'm doing, but there are moments in the day, like you're like, come on, you can do this. And I, and I, I do, I'll say it all the time, like with a marshal, like put that one in right now, you're gonna make my wife stay. Cause I, she's all in on it too, dude. And like, so, so are all the other families and stuff, you know, you can, you get to see it all. Like when you're on the dock in the morning, like, um, it don't matter what happened the day before. Like when we idle out our families on the dock and sometimes even the other families were saying, good luck today, Daryl, or like this whole little group we got, man, you're all in on or whatever. So yeah, it's fun, dude. It's been the thrill of a life. Like I love it. Yeah. And, and there's so many little moments that are huge to people that happen. Like for example, Brock Mosley, the Sunday before he won or the Sunday that he won in orange, that he wasn't like, and he didn't look rattled or anything. You know what I mean? He's been in that yeah. position a bunch of times. Sure, he wants it, but he really didn't look like he was very content in what's going to happen. But yeah. there was something like you could see something was bothering him. Like he kept looking around in like 30 seconds before the anthem, his wife and two little girls come running down the dock. And all of a sudden he's like, just because yeah. you got to see, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's part of the routine. Like, Yes, you have yes. to see them. Do you have a morning routine like that? Do you go through certain things that have to happen before you compete, um, whether they be superstitious or good luck, bad luck type things? I would say superstitious, superstitious for the most part. No, like we we wake up, we're early risers, like can't sleep um, ever before a tournament. Like, but I do coffee at the campground, kind of hang out, do all that stuff. I like to get to the ramp pretty early usually. The one thing I have been doing this year, because often like my wife gets in my boat, she sets my GoPro up. She likes to, she's my media coordinator. She likes to make sure everything's working. Like I wear a mic. So she does all that. I have got to wear this year about 10 minutes before the anthem. I like to push away from the dock and I may, I may go talk to a competitor or I may just float around, talk to my marshal or just be in my own thoughts. But I do like to get away from the, the hustle and bustle. Even if I'm a late number, I kind of like to get away. There's something about that to me. That's like kind of my few minutes like to get there. But I wouldn't say anything superstitious or anything necessarily, but I don't know. Most of it for me, it's like your routine. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? I like to go to the dock. I get to see uh see my wife, see see my little puppy rowdy and uh kind of hug on them and kiss them before I go. And then I just like to go in a little space. And that's that's kind of when the day starts for me though. Like, I feel like competition starts for me when I push away from that dock. Like, I'm fully now, prepared. I'm just waiting on you to say go. It, uh, it, 
is that something you started this year? Yeah. Because this this is, am I right to say this has been your best elite series season? Yeah, by far. Um, Why? I've actually, like in some of my downtime, tried to put a, my finger on it. And I can't, I can't explain. I'm not trying any harder. You know, like I've fished my guts out the last few years. I think, I think some of it, like it's, my first two seasons didn't go well, dude. There was a lot of, uh, there were some highs, but there was just too many lows. I, I haven't, through my whole career, I've struggled with consistency. I have not been the guy that someone like Luke Palmer or like Brock Mosley seems like they're always in the check line. They're always catching. Very minutes. consistent. Yeah. Mine's been more peaks and valleys. It feels like and and it just really sucks that one of those valleys come when I get on the elites. Right. I've like worked to get there and, and I feel like the biggest thing is my confidence level, dude. Like a lot of times practice sucks. I know you get tired of, hearing guys say practice sucked for me but we're trying to look at a ton of water in basically two and a half days I'm not trying to catch a lot of fish I'm just trying to learn a lot and I, I felt like maybe the first two years I was doing a good job of it but when I would come in and eat and I'd be like man I only caught seven today that's kind of sucks you know so and so says they had 20 and so and so had 30 bites and I was I was getting a little bit in the suck before the event started yeah. or now like I only need one or two bites in an area and I feel good about it. I'm gonna go back there and figure it out. Like catch some fish. Like, I don't know. I can't really put my finger on it. I, bigger fish have bit for me and I've landed them. The first couple of years I, I had some, I had fish I lost that could have changed everything. Now everybody loses fish. I feel like um, at times and then other times you can't lose them. Like at, at Santee this year, I caught, a seven something and a six something on a spinning rod around cypress trees, dude. And like, literally when you feel the bite, they can go like eight directions and you're totally screwed or they go like two directions and you got a chance. And both two of them swam out and gave up and let me get them. So I don't know. It's, it's been hard to put my finger on it, but a lot, I know a lot of it for me, it's mental, dude. It's confidence. It's mental. Yeah. And I, I don't want to say like accepting where I'm at in this world of fishing, but I feel like every time I press, like every time I try to go from Daryl Gleason to Kevin Van Dam in a day, I got to get bumped back down. Like I, I just got to go out and fish and do my thing. And I think that's this year. I'm just trying to be me, dude, just trying to fish, trying to catch everyone I can at this point in my career. I just, I feel like a win could happen any day from now. Like that's why I want to make the classic so bad. I I have literally not just dreamed it. I have visualized. Go down this, go down this with me. Do you know when the Saints won the Super Bowl? Drew Brees at quarterback. You're a football guy. You remember the uh -huh. iconic photo of him and his little kid? Yeah. And Fetty raining. I've dreamt that with my dog Rowdy, dude. Like. Literally seen his little earmuffs on, confetti raining down. My wife trying to get in the picture. I'm like pushing her out of the way. Like, no, this is all mine. <laughs> I have visually seen that. And at the same time, at the end of last season, being real, dude, I had to have a certain amount of guys retire and not come back or I wouldn't be here. I'd be back in the opens trying to make it. And that would have been fine. I'd already made my plans. I was going to do that. But like, 
at this stage in my career, I have been a bubble guy. Like yeah. you saw this year, I've been around that 50 line almost every event. Um, when I qualified for the elites, I caught a fish on my last cast, listening to Chris Bowe's way fish by off limits, literally last cast, jerked the trolling motor up, fish in hand, idle to check in. That fish got me in a tie for the last spot to get in. Then I had to wait two weeks for another event. Like, I'm just not at this stage. I'm not Kevin Van Dam. And I think it's just sometimes, especially being an older, like an older angler compared to some of the newer guys coming on. Like I tried to press too much. Like I'm going to get to the top now. I only got a few years. I got to do it now. Instead of just saying, dude, be yourself. Like there's nothing wrong with being a guy that's fighting for a classic spot. Like this version of me would tell the guy six years ago, like, dude, one day, this is where you're going to, you would have killed for that. So I don't know a lot. It's, it, I know I'm rambling on, but like a lot of it's just mental. It's per, it's a perspective at where you're at in life, being comfortable where you're at in life and just accepting that you got to, you got to do you and let's see where it goes. Like that's what got me here. And I got to get back to doing that and continue doing that. It's wild because what you're saying is, is something I've heard in many different ways. Yeah, but I've heard it over and over again. I've heard it from Seth Fighter. I've heard it from yeah. people at all different levels. Like you almost don't, you have to release caring, but you still care about like it's so hard to even say that because it's something you you care so much about. Yeah, but yeah you well, have to just relax and let it happen. But it's so because, hard to do. Yeah. And I also think, and I want to know your opinion on this. Being an elite series rookie makes that almost impossible because it's weird. And someone like yourself that had, you know what I mean, dude, you, I knew you for 10 years before you were on the elite series. I knew your name. I knew, you know, whether it be from, we're going to Toledo Bend, we hear about you, whether it be from the opens, whether it be FLW, you were a guy that I feel a lot of people knew in the industry. A lot of people were excited when you made the elite series, but I feel yeah. like it's a weird thing where you go through and you're like, whoo. I made it. I made it. I mean, I've seen that video of you a hundred times hugging your wife in the, in the middle of the street, you know, when you realized you guys made the elite series, but it's like a weird, weird thing where people are like, okay, I made it. And then they get to the elite series and they're like, okay, now it's my opportunity. I got to start hitting some home runs, but yeah. those home runs right. weren't what got you. You know what I mean? Like, right. yeah, it's same with who you were to, when you got here is what brings success, but it's so hard to do. It, it, and it's different for each each guy. Yeah. Like some, some of the young guys now that come out and just find success immediately, it's like, like so amazing, like wow. But that just shows everybody's path is different. You just have to accept your. But like, you talk about Seth, like folks that have just started following and like love Seth and follow. They didn't see his first couple of years. <laughs> they, they were like, dude, I've been a fan since the elite started in 06. I remember being so excited when I saw what was happening. So like. I'm a nerd with all this and and not just bass. I keep up with FLW yeah. and MLS. Like, all of it, dude. I'm a nerd. And that had been a long time, but seeing guys like Seth, like something like, I don't know. I, I think there's something for some of us and, and it, it's hard to find parallels between me and Seth. Like we kind of do different things. However, it's like when you, when you like literally see your dream, and I don't want to say going away because I believe I was going to go to the Opens and qualify again this year. Like, as a competitor, you got to feel like that was going to happen. But but literally, I was like, 
I mean, I couldn't talk last year when I weighed in on stage. I'm sure you noticed that lacrosse. Yeah. You know, I wanted so badly to get up there and thank each one of my sponsors, all those people. I wanted to do that, not say thank you, Yamaha, thank you, Phoenix, but like truly, like none of this is possible without some people. And like, I think I got out, I love you all, thank y'all, and walked off because I had to go find my wife so we could cry because I didn't know when I would get to go across that stage again, dude. And when you make it, it's not like you go, oh yeah, I made it. And then you're going to cruise control down. No, no. It's like, get out of the way. I'm about to take over the world. I'm about to win, you know, and that's pressure you put on yourself. I never had yeah. a sponsor call me or my wife never said, Hey, if you don't start winning tournaments, your world's going to come to an end. So there's just something in there where like, you got to just take your path. Some guys path immediately, they start kicking butt and, and others, you got to take some whoopings and, and you got to kind of see it slipping away to, I don't know. You, you kind of lose that care. I just hope whatever it is that I'm doing, I can, I can keep because I, I, I have not had a good practice yet this year. And, and like, we got three events to go and I'm like right there for the classic, like with a chance to make the classic and do whatever else. So um, it was really funny. You brought up Seth though, because I texted you after like he does, he does, he's a good podcaster. He does good interviews because yeah. he is, he's my favorite thing in fish and he's authentic. Like very to, to you, if he met the president of the United States, if he met fans, whoever, that's a hundred percent him. And that's the guys I like and follow a lot. And I just thought some of his perspective on things, like how important it is to the game, like with some of our etiquette and things like that, like just real simple, dude, it's just about honoring the sport. And, and I wanted to give a shout out to him, Hey, for having the balls to just be himself. But saying those things, dude, because I think uh, like our young folks coming up, we have more of those now than ever coming up. They need to understand we spend a lot of time in our boats alone in competition. Yeah. And you still got to do the right thing. Always. Like not for yourself, but for your other competitors, too, and for the people coming up. So it was really cool to like hear Seth's perspective on that. And um and a lot of the other anglers feel that way, you know? So it was really cool to hear that. Like I text you all the time after a podcast, I loved hearing that, that dude, because you're really good at pulling the realness out of the, out of the guys. And I don't think we always get to show that. So. Well, thank you. Um, I know you don't honestly like what compliments. So. Well, no, I'm just, I'm weirdo that way. I mean, I, I don't it. know, I but like when you just said I'm a lot of, uh, a lot of folks in the industry are happy to see me make it. That makes me feel weird. Cause I still don't, I don't see that, but I have been very blessed to have a lot of friends in the industry. So I'm great. No, no. A lot, and, and they were, you know, and then still are very happy, but, but it's, it, it goes back to the same, like Seth, who you're just complimenting for being open. That was also not what he was when he first came. It's just such a right. weird, like you're, yes. it's a, I, and I don't even know how to explain it because you, because if I, if you pull a rookie aside, if I pull you aside and say, listen, relax, just be you. None of this helps you be you. You know what I mean? Like it, but, but when you, and I think that the, one of the hardest things in life, I think you hit, in my opinion, the nail on the head with one of the smartest things in all of life, not just tournament fishing, but you can't keep judging yourself by what other people are doing. You know what I mean? Like, I, and, and people that do that, are generally miserable. It doesn't matter what it is, whether you're chasing an elite series dream, whether you're trying to be the head chef in a restaurant, whether you're trying to be the manager of a base, it, 
if be be who your role is and be thank you know what I mean like be thankful be, to be where you be are where than, you are yeah like we're we're our worst critics dude you know the same thing like um and I, I just beat the crap out of myself I'll be honest like I don't know if a lot of people around uh, I mean you know some of my close friends and obviously anglers they they know when you're doing bad that you're getting near the bubble and what that may mean but I don't think a lot of people knew I didn't want people to know not that I'm hiding it but I just don't think it's fair for me to be living my dream and, and show my miserableness when it's going on, you know, like that ain't, that ain't our job. It's what we're supposed to do. And, uh, but, but yeah, in my long time, I was beating the crap out of myself for two years. And I don't know, dude, it's like when I, I went home, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say I was sitting by the phone last year. Like I went home and knew like it was over for now. I was going to have to go back and requalify. Like I had, and I think you're seeing this year, like if you go down the angler of the year list, there's some new guys in slumps. Like our sport is weird, man. Like dudes that household names are below me on the list right now. Like they never saw that coming. I never saw that coming, but it's so fragile. The competition is so stiff and like your competition, like the, the thin line dude for like a few bites a day getting off or a few bites you didn't get or mechanically like any little thing can lead you down a slump so i don't know i beat the hell out of myself though dude for being in a slump and i get out on like the the tour finally like this is my time and uh i, I just think behind closed doors is beating myself up and like if you're beating yourself up in anything in life how the hell are you gonna be a winner like until you believe in yourself it don't matter. I had my wife in my ear every day telling me you're great and you do great things. Today's going to be today. You're going to catch like she's the most positive person on earth. Yet in my own mind, I still felt like, you know, I was just letting it all bleed into it. Or now, like, I don't know, I'll lose a fish. Like, who cares? I'll catch the next one. If I have a bad event, who cares? I'll do good in the next one. Like, it's I don't know. It's just but it's hard to explain. Like you could you could pull every rookie across and say, hey, man, like there's a chance this may happen to you. But. I don't I just think you get there's certain parts, just life in general, you just have to accept you got to go through, like, you know, whatever it may be. And at some point, some people need to realize too, this ain't easy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're literally um I, I remember when Van Dam won and it I don't know if I've ever told this story on a podcast, but he won on Toledo Ben. That was his comeback win. Up to yeah. that point, everybody's like, Van Dam is never gonna win again you know like a, that like, was what, a, what was his slump like four years three years four or five years i think it was four to Ooh, i think yeah. yeah like and and i mean he still made the classic you know yeah. every one of those but one you know like he still was several of those years he was in contention for angler of the year and people were like right. but he'll never win again but we it was just me and him <laughs> and it was late at night and we had had a few drinks and ironically we his rental house, everybody had left and it's just me and him and he's won again. And I'm like, this is so weird that it's just me and Kevin hanging out here to celebrate. And we're like, let's make some steaks and, and we'll pour a drink. I go to reach in, um, in the, in the cabinet to grab some drinks to make drinks with. And it was uh new Orleans saints. Um, it said who win, but like who dat, but who win or whatever on it. And I was like, how yeah. fitting it was. So we're drinking out yeah. of these things. And at one point in the night, he looks up at me and we, we were just real quiet. We had talked about so much stuff and we just got real quiet. And he's like, Mercer, this shit ain't easy. <laughs> and yeah. to hear Kevin Van Dam say that, yeah. 
Yeah, but it's like, true. Nobody says like it's a hard. You're trying to yeah. be one of the best. So in everything, like if you made it to Major League Baseball, I'm sure it's the same thing. Where you're like, you know, yeah. I didn't have a hard time in high school. I didn't have a hard time in college. But now all of a sudden, these there guys are a whole lot better. And I I think that people just don't accept as much that you can be totally prepared and everything. But it's still a learning process to learn how to. Yes. Like, like to come off a bad event and put it behind you and move on to the next one and be fresh. It's easy to say that on paper. You could write that all down, but to actually yeah. do that. Yeah. And like easy. when I was having those bad events after each event, like leading to the next one, I did all those things. Just like, I'm like, all right, no big deal. Bad week. Next week's the week. But I don't know. There's, there's still, there'd still be that little voice in there and be like, you suck. You're going to lose your next bite. You're never going to catch another fish un until you just let go. It's like that, you know, that scene in Fight Club when he makes him let go of the steering wheel. That's what I feel like. Or uh, a couple of years ago, I did well in an event at Rayburn, um, a Toyota event, and like left the ramp. And I don't do this. I'm I'm kind of a planner. Like I'm a, I'm a thinker. Like I like to have a plan. And I leave going to this. I'm going to go left and go up the lake. And I start going. And I had this like, I call it my Carrie Underwood moment. Like Jesus take the wheel where I'm like, dude, couple weeks ago you caught them over here just go try it and like go over and like catch the crap out of them have a good event I think finish top five or something which anytime you do that over there against all those little boys uh those hammers like you've done good yeah but but having enough of those moments where you're just like you gotta let go it's not that you don't care you you said you see it in my eye I think everybody sees it in most of the anglers but I feel at times I carry it more than others like I want this so bad for myself and for everyone else that has been on my, my team, you know, like I just so badly want them to have joy and success um, along with myself. Um, but, but when you go out there and compete, you just got to let it go. I don't know. It's, it's so hard, dude, if we could, if you could pin it down or make a recipe for it, then oh. everybody would do it. And I probably would be off the tour. Everybody be kicking my butt even worse. So let's not solve the problem. Let them figure it out on their own. And the truth of the problem is, dude, it never gets solved. And it, like, it doesn't. it doesn't matter who you are, because if I was a genie and I could wish, grant you a wish, and I said, yeah. I will give you Gerald Swindle's career, one of your good friends, you'd be like, yeah. oh, where do I sign up? Where, where, yeah. what, what do I have to? Yeah, yeah. You know how bad Gerald Swindle wants to win an Elite Series event? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and yeah, when he wins yeah. one, he's going to. The, the second he walks off the stage is so gross. Like I remember when Christie won the classic, I walked to the press room and by the time I like, he literally had hardly held the trophy. He hasn't even looked at the trophy. He's just held it and been in pictures. Hasn't had a chance to look at it. And people are like, how many do you think he's going to win? Dave, is this another KVD run? We're seeing, I'm like, right. he just won his first one. Like it's, it's, just, yeah. it's just a weird. It is. But, but then it's competition. Like all of us are out here. Yeah. I mean, it don't matter what we're competing in. And, and like, I've heard stories about Kevin, how competitive he is and everything. Hey, can I share a quick Kevin story? Yes, you can do what you want. This is your show. Uh, so, you know, the big split, mm -hmm. I guess, at the end of 18 season. So going into the 19 Classic at Knoxville, that was going to be his last Classic. Kind of a big deal, right? Yeah. So I won my Open on Toledo about two weeks before that. So as many classics, I go up and I'm working for dynamic sponsorships, like in the booths and stuff. The night before the first night of competition, um, we're, we're eating at Tupelo Honey. Me and yeah. my wife, 
and another friend of ours. And in comes Kevin and his wife and uh, their little entourage and sponsors and things. And I see when he comes in, he kind of sees me across the room and like just being around this world. We've met a few times, but we're not buddies. We're not close friends. I, I had a cell phone number in my phone and had never used it one time. I had it from like a media event or something. He gave me his number in case I needed to like find where he was. But he walks in that event. And, or walks into Tupelo Honey and like happens to see me there. I'm probably like, oh my God, it's Kevin. And he'd give me the, you know, the, the Kevin. What's up, bro? One of those. My cup's filled, right? Kevin acknowledged my existence. Really cool. And I saw him sit down and like he whispers something to Sherry. And then he kind of backs his chair up and stands up. And I'm like beating my wife to death. Like, here comes Kevin. Ke oh God, he's walking this way. And he walked over, dude. And this is the night before what could be his last classic. I mean, yeah. you never know what the future is going to hold, but he competes the next morning. Think how badly he wanted to win that event. Like, and he just come over and took 20 seconds congratulating me on my win. Cause that, that was the biggest thing in my career. You know, the class of that guy, like that's the stuff that really sets the bar to me for all of us. Other ones that he is leaving the torch to as he retires this year. We're not super, super good buds or anything, dude. And he just took the time because he knew that. I think everyone knew that moment, how big that was for me, you know? And like, I mean, like I literally, like after he walked off, I sit down and my wife's like, you're going to cry. I'm like, I probably had tears. And I'm like, not in front of everybody, but you know, like I might tonight my pillow. <laughs> like, dude, how, like how cool. I would love to be that guy for someone one day. Yeah. Like I would love to be, be that. Not the winner. Not the badass AO watch, like all those, but like the guy that just took a few seconds to like build someone up in that moment. Like that's his Kevin story I always tell. Like I got the scene this year at um at the classic. He bumped into us one night. We were closing down the, the hotel uh bar facilities one evening, and him and Sherry were coming back and and he stopped and we had a drink together. And I, I got to kind of relive that with him. Of course, he's so modest, he's like, Yeah, no big deal, Daryl, like whatever, but he, he knows. I wanted him to know how special that was. That's one of those few moments in my life that, like, you're like, wow, dude, that yeah. guy, you know? Yeah. So. He he is that guy. He's, he's, it's pretty incredible. I mean, if you, you watch him work, like, when he did his retirement deal, like, I mean, yeah. announcement, and I, I got asked to say things in a lot of different, and I just, I was an idiot. Like, I just couldn't think of what to say because literally, because most people, when they retire, you can pick one thing, you know what I mean? You can say, man, this yeah. guy taught the whole world how to do this. This guy right. taught the whole world how to, but Kevin's taught us all how to like everything. Like he reinvented how people tournament fish. He, you know what I mean? Like he made speed his game, which was never a thing. And, and he showed everyone how to do the TV end of things. He showed everyone how to do the, you know, the trade show end of things. He's like, if you watch him at a trade show, that's how you should be at a trade show. You don't see him in any of those circles of people just standing around talking. He's working. Like, it's just amazing. Like I've seen him at a, at writer's conference. Yeah. He was the best. At, he was one of the best at that too. Like, you know, there's 15 pros there and a bunch of writers and, and camera folks and they're taking pictures so, like, I think at the time he had just got sponsored by a clothing company. So he's literally got a cardboard box with the different shirts. So he gets up on front of his boat and he's like casting, doing his look away, you know, and they're like doing pictures. 
he jumps down, changes shirts, puts on a different color shirt, right back to it. Like he just never needed any direction. So how are like who who would your guy be? Who is that to you? Like Kevin doing that to me and like now being friends with like like Swindle. Like when I won the open, Swindle come to my house like that night. We were not super close friends at that time, but when I come off stage, he shook my hand and says, I have to do this a lot. I got to shake a lot of winners' hands. It means more when it's one of the good guys. And again, that was one of those moments to me, like I almost want to push a trophy down and jump in his arms and let him run away with like that was so special. Who who's your guy? Um it's all those guys, dude. Like, I don't think that there's one like Kevin before me and Kevin were as close of friends as we were, you know, like every time Kevin would ever call you, like they, anytime his number pops up on the phone, I'm like, holy, but I mean, I think it's all those guys. Um, Was there an not, announcer? Like an announcer? Well, when Ray Scott, whatever, like Ray Scott, when I first started the job at bass ray scott was incredibly kind to me like literally took it on himself to reach out to me to get my number to call me to talk to me about so like any of the feedback i ever got from ray scott is i mean he's like i've always called him and bob cobb the chicken that laid the egg they they are and Absolutely. still to this day bob cobb is a, a very close friend of mine and so, so whenever you hear stuff from people like that it's it's always you know it like it kind of melts you a little bit you know it, it's like i don't know it's it's just special yeah. so it's like a, those are guys that like i emulated my career after like before this ever became my career when it was my dream and like i think that's where i get some of my keep it real stuff because you know like you see the guys get on stage and spout out I ran my Phoenix Yamaha over like today and I threw my da, 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 da. I don't know. I just always want to use my time to either talk about something funny that happened or something going on in life or, or like what I don't know. It just seems like those obviously Gerald is the very best. I don't know how he fishes all day. Like, because he doesn't think that stuff up. You've been around him socially, like it's not like he sits and writes material down. He just spouts it out at all times. I think you have that gift a little bit too, with some some of the stuff like you can just do off the cuff. But, like, he's the best at that. But I don't know. I just – those are the guys, like, early on when I was fishing club tournaments and, you know, like, dreaming and, and dude, reading every Bassmaster I could, watching every show, like, all that. Those are the guys that I was looking up to. And, and now to, like, you know, I, I consider Gerald to be one of my very good friends on tour, you know. Like, um, it's just hard to, like, soak all that in, like, if if you could – 41-year-old Daryl could talk to 30-year-old Daryl and say, like, one day, you know, you wouldn't have took this for it all. So I guess some some of that, too, to go, like, to talk about where I'm at mentally, like, when you look at some of that, where you are in life, you know, quit, like, quit whining about it and being a little girl, man. Like, it's not all bad. Yeah. So, I don't know. Well, and and no matter what happens in your life, no matter if you go on to win – Five Bassmaster Classics and hold the all-time record. Yeah. Or whatever direction it goes. Right. You always got to remember, you're going to look back at all of these days. Yeah. Like, these are the these are the good old, like, and it's weird. Like, you probably have seen through my social media and for the last number, five, six, seven years, I always put a hashtag enjoy being because I yeah. found myself doing the same thing. Like, life was coming at me so quick. 
You know what I mean? Like I was very lucky. I got to do a TV show. It was a dream. It was a dream yeah. to be part of Bass. Now I'm doing that and I'm getting to do all this stuff. But life is almost getting force fed at you. And I remember like thinking like somebody asked me what I think of when I look out at the crowd at the classic. And I remember I had a big an event. And I remember, I remember giving an answer because it was in an interview. But I remember afterwards thinking, I don't know. I don't know what I think. I don't know. Like, I don't take a minute to stop and look around. And that's where, like, Enjoy Being came from. Yeah. Um, because Enjoy Being, where you are. Because I would spend so much time thinking about the next. You know what I mean? Like, I got to yeah. get to the next event or I got to get to the, like, it, enjoy where you are. The, because where you are is is where you always wanted to be. You know what I mean? Like, it, yeah. it, like I want to grab every one of the young guys that comes out and say, live like, Ugh. dude, this is fragile. Like we talked a little bit about how tough the competition is. It, you're, you're two bad years of a slump away from having to go back. Yeah. And look, man, like the open field, like I got tons of friends there and I'm still doing a division this year as well, but like, that's not ever at any point in the foreseeable future going to get any easier, no matter no. what format they choose, whether you fish one division or all nine, any of that stuff, doesn't matter what bass decides there. It's always going to be brutally hard. I, I qualified in one division. It was brutal, dude. Like, I had, like, some of the best days of my life just to squeak in. Like, it's it's very hard. So, again, like, why, why did I beat myself up for two years? Like, you know, like, why was it so hard on myself? Like, why go through that? But such is life. You got to live and learn. Yeah. But I mean, the stuff is not easy. And when <laughs> Kevin Van Dam can say it's not easy, like it's not easy, but dude, that's just like why I like honor and revere some of the guys in the sport that, that make it look easy. Like, like Palinick makes it, he does not look now. I get to see how long he practices. The dude works his butt off. Like he's always the last one in the campground, like certain guys are, but some guys are so good, they truly make it look easy. Yeah. Not even easy for them. When you pin them up in the corner at the end of their career, they're going to tell you, no, it wasn't easy, dude. Like, it is incredibly hard. Every aspect of it is. So, I don't know. I'm not going to beat myself up anymore. I, I, I'm i very excited with three events to go, even though they're smallmouth events. I don't have a ton of history um, in smallmouth world. To, to just have a shot. I'm on that bubble to make the classic and – I mean, I want to get it done, dude. Have you have you put more work into the figuring out the small mouth thing this year, or, or is that just like how, how do you, when you said you're not a big small mouth guy, how do you fix that? Yeah. I think what I'm doing right now, like presently, uh, I'm doing a couple of days of Champlain, a couple of days of St. Lawrence, and I mix it up between um, scouting for where I think they may be in a month. And and just like yesterday's first day on the water, I just caught some, dude. Yeah. I just wanted to catch a few. You don't often – people don't, I don't think, understand how few times professional fishermen go fun fishing. Like, like just to catch fish. We're always practicing for a tournament, scouting for a tournament, fishing a tournament, working on the technique. And I actually launched yesterday with full aspect of doing those things. And then – I saw one shallow, like right by the ramp. I'm like, let's just fish a little while. And then like two hours later, let's just keep fishing, man. This is kind of fun. Like just catching them. So no, just doing that, like 
just more time on the water catching them. And it's not just time on the water, it's quality time. But yeah. that's a big, like really working with my forward sonar game, working with all my tackle, like all those little things. Like I, I can't in the next two months, can't quantify how much time Seth Fighter or the Johnstons have smallmouth fishing. I can't make up that gap, right? Like that ain't gonna happen. But I can I can be better. Yeah. Than what I've been. And that's really all I'm trying to do is be better. Just keep getting better. Everybody that I know that's cracked or feels like they have made big steps in the smallmouth game. It comes down to one thing. And I think it's one thing that everybody overlooks. It's literally time. Like you need to go. And I'm not talking about time about pre-fishing, idling around, trying to find that secret nugget. I'm like, you need to go where the best smallmouth bass fishing happens at the best time of year and catch a hundred fish a day, every day for a dozen days you know what right. i mean it, it, yeah. and i say the same thing to people when they say because you almost have to disrespect that fish you, like if you watch yeah. the johnsons or fighter when they're fighting a fish dude there's no time given to that fish very little do they spend a lot of time you know walking that fish around the boat and stuff like that but it's the same thing that the advantage you have when we go to Toledo Bend. you know like you've seen a lot of eight pounders in your life You've boated a you've been on a boat with a lot of seven, eight, nine, ten pound fish in your life. That's how that that's how the northern guys crack the code on going down south, too. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's literally, I think it's just live down there and make it happen. Yeah. 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 Catching and you're seeing is, like a, a lot of the dudes are doing it now coming up north in the summer. Like for where I live, it's super hot. It's always hard to leave Toledo Bend, though. Like there's an event there this weekend and took a, a team event two days, took 57 pounds to win. Like wow. It's just always good. Even when it's bad, it's still so good. Um, but I, I feel like coming up here, my wife loves coming up because the weather's so wonderful, even though it's raining now. But it's it's fun. It's like a new challenge. It's fun. And I, yeah. I've come up and smallmouth fish now a couple summers, but I, you know, I'm still trying to to figure it out. I've had mixed success. I've got a few checks, had a few bad ones. Um, so it's just like everything else, it's a challenge all about getting better. But I agree. I do think just catching their little butts over and over and over to me the, the hardest thing when you come up here is you can go have a good day and catch 50 60 fish and weigh <laughs> 17 and a half pounds and be in 70th you know like st lawrence last year i had 18 on day one and i'm like 76th <laughs> talking afterwards and my wife's like what's your plan for tomorrow i'm like uh, scrap everything i've done and go <laughs> look for a big one like you know i mean it's it's a it's it's a thin line up here, like on the weights. Like, yeah. They're so, tight, dude. they're so tight. The difference in a a three and a quarter pounder and a three and a three quarter pounder is like 10, 10 points. Yeah. So I don't know. And for me, I, I'm one of those weirdos too. Like a lot of the dudes are like, they'd be happy if we practice one day. If, if, if Bass said, Hey, you can practice for three weeks straight. I'd go daylight to dark for three weeks straight. Like I love prepping and practice time. Like, I don't know. I, I like to be methodical with it and all that. That's never going to happen. We're never going to get three weeks of practice. So I'm still trying to teach myself how to accelerate everything and learn as much. But but I love doing this stuff. I love going and playing. And, you know, like most of my days in my life have been spent either with a guide customer or a friend in a team tournament or a marshal. It's still so rare to just, you know, turn on my little radio and go fishing, you know. like Yeah, yeah. It's fun. Like, I enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah, Look, but I, I think you also pointed out why it goes so bad for some Southern pros when they come north. Because it's 
it's easy to take for granted. You know what I mean? You go pre-fishing and you get 18 pounds and you're like, well, when I expand on this area, it'll be 22. And, you know, and then you weigh in 19 pounds, even more than you caught. And you're still nowhere near the cut. And it's, it's a little demoralizing. It, it can be to catch, to catch that many. Cause I, I don't know down south. I can't think of a tournament this year. I mean, the next three tournaments, I think the whole field barring mechanical or whatever, like everyone will probably have limits every day. Yeah, man. For the most give, part. Give now, you know, I don't want to be the guy that comes in short of that, but I'm just saying you catch them when you come North. Man. So it, it can be demoralizing to go out and like catch them up pretty good and be like, yeah, that's a good day. Uh, be right there near the top 50 and, and you're nowhere near it. So I think a lot of it though, is just, it's so different up here, dude. Smallmouth bass, not largemouth bass. They're different yeah. little, they just are. And so I don't know. I, I enjoy the process of it. Um, it's fun. It's cool to get up here and snatch on a few. The other part too, man, like even working on landing them little suckers. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like I, you know, I, of course I'm playing, like I'm trying uh, like new hooks this year. I'm working with a new hook company a little bit. So like trying new hook styles, sizes, lines, like all those little small things. And then you get the little punks of the boat and you got to get them in without a net. Um, I, And I've been lucky. I've done well with it, but I want to do it more and get comfortable. Like yesterday, I made myself catch a few on a jerk bait just so I can get, you know, ah, ah. It's, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, ah, they don't stop. So just practicing. I'm trying to practice all that as much as I can before the events start. Like you talked about on Toledo Bend, I'm catching all those big ones. Like I've passed that on to some customers when they catch a three pounder and they're like horse whipping it to the boat. I'm like, hey, especially if I get a young person in the boat, I'm like, slow down and fight it some. Like get comfortable fighting that fish. So when you hook an eight pounder, yeah, the process slows down because most big fish get lost at the boat. Like yeah. almost when you get your hand on them, and it's generally because we get them to the boat like pissed off, like they're mad. So like uh, I have to remind myself with small mouth, like slow down, take your time. But um, it's fun. Like I'm gonna, as soon as we're done, I'm gonna go back out and yank on some more, dude. Like yeah. It's smallmouth are weird though. Like when you think about it, it's almost like they were designed in a video game, like Mike Tyson punch out. So you yeah. beat the, you beat this guy. Now for the last three events, we're going to go All North right. and we're going to catch a bass, but it's going to fight harder and its mouth is going to be even smaller. And you're yeah. probably going to use a bait with even more hooks <laughs> and yeah. make it even uh, more challenging. Um, it's kind of a torturous way to finish off the season. Cause like you look forward to it at one point at the other point, you're like, well, dude, at like the last event, St. Lawrence, if it's below in 30, are you going to go out there on that big water? Because like, I, I was trying to explain to a buddy, like Toledo Bend is in the south. Toledo Bend is a it gets huge rough. body, and it gets rough. It's a big body of water. Like, I don't, I couldn't even tell you what little portion of Ontario it would be. Chameau Bay, maybe? Like, <laughs> those lights are so enormous. It could blow it could be calm where you're at and below 10 miles an hour in Buffalo, you know, 200 miles away or something. And it can like be vicious where you're at. So all those are factors you got to like, you got to learn and get comfortable with, you know what I mean? So. It, yeah. Uh, what does the swindle relationship meant to you as a competitor? Man, a lot. Like he's another guy too. Like people see the funny. Yeah. Charismatic. They, and they see how passionate he is. Like everybody knows how bad he wants to win. Um, 
You know, in like some of my low times, dude, he didn't know what to say. I could tell, like he, he wanted me to do better. Obviously he didn't know what to say. There's nothing he could say to get me out of it. Like the fact that he was just there. Yeah. My phone didn't ring a lot the last two years, lots of folks. And, uh, that stayed steady. So that's been a, a special friendship. Him, um, you know, like we, we both travel. Our wives are pretty close to, we have yeah. a lot of, siblings. we have puppies that we love. Um, so there's, there's something special about that. Like, I think a lot of that I'll look down in the future and really appreciate that. Like how close, you know, and he has tons of friends in the fishing industry. I, I have quite a few and I'm blessed to have them, but it means a lot, dude. Like he hasn't taken on like a mentorship role. Like we're just, I feel like big brother, little brother kind yeah. of role, but you see and learn through osmosis being around him, like how he manages his life, how he manages the business side of fishing but if I if I had to share with anybody anything about Swindle, it's that uh, he has a bigger heart than people realize, dude. Like it was hard for me, you know. He done he done the rules video a couple of weeks ago or a month ago now. Yeah. And, um, you know, like reading through the comments, seeing not very many, but even seeing anyone disagree or rag on him or whatever, like pissed me off to see that because. He's one of the few anglers to me that when he talks about the overall, whether it's rules or uh, anglers or anything, he looks big perspective. So, like, if we're voting on a rule or something, he looks at how does this affect everyone, everyone. not just me. And, look, this is a greedy world we live in, dude, out here. Like, a lot of the guys, the first thing I feel like, how does how would this rule affect me if I choose this? Yeah. Or how would it affect me if I choose that? And I would actually lump Palinik into that too, and and Carl like, and there's probably more that I don't know, but a lot of the anglers, the first thing you do is like, how's it affect me? And and Gerald's never that way, never. He wants to see our sport flourish, and and he's a, he's probably at the point of his career where he can see the finish line. So he's not necessarily doing it for selfish reasons. Um, but the biggest thing like people don't get to see enough is his heart, dude. Like. He's just one of the best dudes. And he happens to be really damn funny too, like on and off the water, on the mic, all that. But his heart, like see him and his wife together. That's his person, dude. And yeah. but just him being there the last couple of years, he never knew what to say. Like we hadn't even talked about it. Um, and we didn't talk about when I was sucking. He wasn't like he was trying to give me advice on, hey, here's how you quit sucking. But he would slip things in there, like, you know, turn those 85ths into 60 and do that two or three times a season. You'll see where you're at. You know, he, he kind of done some of that with Carl as well. Carl's, yeah. you know, had a, had a rough go of it at times and is, you know, like always bounced back. Like, so yeah. And, and again, like when you're choosing your friends, you feel like sometimes you see anglers like buddying up who are doing well, like having success. And they like kind of form these little, I call them junior high groups, like little, like junior high girl popular groups. And, and I don't feel like Gerald's that kind of guy. Like, if he likes you, you know where you stand with him. So, yeah, it kind of bothered me when I was seeing, even though it wasn't many people, just some people, like, saying really negative personal things. Like, it sucks. They don't know, you nah. know, because you share your opinion on stuff, you know. But, dude, you know this. People can be nasty, man. Oh, yeah, they can. They, Especially they, in social media. Like, 
uh, last year I posted a TikTok. There was a, tr- a trending TikTok of like uh, where you're running by your vehicle, like rushing to get somewhere. And we did yeah. something like um, in South Dakota. I had like some baits in my hand and my dog and like we're running to the next event because we had one the next week. And like someone, you could tell like they had waited. Of course, they're like user 187945. They don't have a name. Always. But it's like they waited their whole life to like to get me. And they're like, yeah, that's you running off the Elite Series. I'm like, bro, come on. You know, so I just like, like, I don't know. I just never want to be that person that's like so low in life. I'm looking to like cut someone down. I'm not perfect or any of that. I'm not saying that. But like, I don't know, man, when someone's going through something so brutal, like what joy did that bring you to, you know what I mean? Like, come on, dude. So when I saw that stuff, I'm like, I had to refrain myself from going on there and like, stop. No, you need to know the person you're, you're, he's like, he's the kind of person that if he knew you were, you were the person, if you were John Doe, that was saying, you're an idiot for saying this or whatever. You're a sorry person. I hate your guts. And then the next day he saw you broke down on the side of the road. He'd stop and change your tire. Like he would do anything for anybody. So it's, it's hard when you care about someone, you see that junk, but you just have to understand in the world of social media, people can be a little nasty at times, but there's too many good folks in the world to dwell on that stuff too much. But yeah, Gerald, Gerald's a good one. You know that, you know, him personally enough to know he's one of the good ones dude. Oh, he is. And, and, one of the things that stands out for me about him is exactly what you talked about. Not just his heart, but if you look at, like I've seen all different kinds of Gerald's over the years, you know what I mean? Like, uh, um, but I think this is the best Gerald just because he's, he just really care. Like the amount of time he spends with young anglers and stuff and has convert, like, it's really, it's really unique to see. And it's, it's very cool to see. And, um, I just think it's special because it's selfless. And and this is not a a career where it's easy to be a selfless person. You need to focus on your business, catching them, like all your stuff. And and it's just he's he's pouring into a lot of anglers doing something he don't have to do. So like I said, it wasn't like he necessarily like sits me down and talks to me, but just his friendship has meant a lot to me because it this can be a lonely world out here when you're not doing well. So um that's something I'll always be appreciative of. And even even like Lulu and uh, my wife getting to be friends like you know there's there's things that lulu has seen through his career that she's able to relate to my wife a little bit and and helps but but mostly dude it's just about the friendship like yeah you know whether it's gerald swindler or whoever when you have like-minded folks you get to spend your time with like that's kind of what this uh the little hourglass on earth that's where you want to spend it right i mean yeah yeah it um <clears throat> I think you're spending your time in the hourglass pretty good, dude. I mean, to me, I, I know you, you're you a competitor. You're always going to have goals, and you should always have goals. But, dude, we've spent a little time talking here, and you may – I mean, I know you see it, but, dude, you've checked a lot of the boxes in life. Like, really, like when you – if you want to look at having a happy life, you've checked a lot of the right boxes. You get things. Then – been very fortunate dude and i don't know i don't know where that came from i think some of it come from falling in love with the girl that i fell in love with like she was literally told she wouldn't live to be six or wouldn't live to be 12 or wouldn't go to prom like you know like i don't know live live with someone love with someone like like that that's real stuff there so like 
Hey, perspective's easy. Again, I'm 41. We're going to celebrate our 19th anniversary now uh, in November. If you'd have told me the biggest problem in my life is whether or not I'm going to make the best master classic or whether or not I'm going to stay on the elites or you would take those problems in a heartbeat, dude. So Good problems yeah. to have. Blessed. Good problems I, I, to have. Hope everybody starts soaking life in a little bit more. It, go, it goes by too fast, dude. We sound like a bunch of old codgers, oh, yeah. on me, but it does. I just want everybody to enjoy those because uh, you can't buy time, dude. And that's all I want is as much as I can with the people I love, dude. Like, it's the one thing on earth you can't buy. I think that all of us, at some point in your life, you're going to wish you had more of it, right? So always, always, and it's never going to be all the crap that you th that that people think like man i wish i made another hundred thousand dollars no nobody i mean yeah. people with the most money in the world you know steve jobs died yeah. <laughs> like money to money oh. you can make more of you can but time yeah. is is everything and um it's just so dicey like because we want it all like we're we're built as humans to be yeah we are but I don't know. In the end, that's what I want. And I want to catch a lot of bass along the way and kick a lot of butt too on the way. And enjoy yeah, the time. I never end up being that guy making a horrible comment on some stranger's social about. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, dude, I, I respond like all the time to those. Like, I hope you get a hug yeah. today. Cause you know, it's not you, you know, you're pissed off because yeah. you failed a test. You get dumped yeah. by a girl, whatever it was, but it's whatever it was. Like, I felt like whoever that was like, I don't know. I made them mad a long time ago and uh, I'm not perfect. Maybe some people are mad at me down, but I don't know. I wouldn't, it's like, God, you held that in for this moment. Like, come on, dude. And uh, I, I just deleted it and moved on, but I don't know. It, it's, and I'm not perfect in some of the things I do in life. I, I get that, but I don't know. I hope whoever that was woke up the next day and had a better day. You yeah. Know what I mean? Yeah. And dude, I mean, sometimes you also got to thank those people because I don't know about you, but you know how weird I am when anybody compliments me, but you want to motivate me? Tell me how much I suck. I mean, there is no better motivation on earth than to tell me I suck. So yeah. Yeah. Like it's just weird. The things that I motivate you in life makes you get up a little more angry. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So, let's just leave that at that. <clears throat> Dude. I asked you one thing before we started this. I said, just be real and be honest. And I think you definitely delivered that. And uh, I, I think a lot of people got to see a side of you that they may not have seen previously. And uh, it's one of my favorite sides of you. You're an incredible human being, dude. Uh, I always appreciate that, dude. And uh, more than anything, appreciate you having me on. Like, I, I, I get to listen, you know, to your podcast all the time. And I do listen to a few others. I cheat on you. I listen to That's four fine. or five. It's fine. It's fine. It's a lot of great podcasts. I mean, there's an ex a lot of, I, believe it or not, I listen to other podcasts too. Really? Um, yeah. I just think it's cool to, to get to know not just the guys I competing. It's just everyone in this industry. It's a small world, dude. So um, yeah, when you asked me to come on, I'm like, sure. I won't go fishing on Champlain today. I'd love to, to do it, but I uh, just, just grateful to be in this life where we're at in this world. And, and uh, I don't know enjoyed this with you man hope we get to chat soon on the weighing stage let's do it go fishing is it is the rain stopped now yet stopped enough all right i'm gonna go
He's going fishing. Well, if you ask me, that is a dude that uh, doesn't just get fishing. He gets life. And uh, I wish Daryl Gleason nothing but luck the rest of the season and his entire career. And I thank him for being so open and so honest. And I thank you guys for tuning in here. Now get back to those iCast videos. I know you can't get enough of them. Enjoy being, have a great week, and take it away, Bob Cobb. Thanks for watching. Please like, comment, and subscribe. Because Bob Cobb of the Bassmasters told you to, you hear?